which means that we are deep diving into all of the anonymous questions that you guys have sent through. And I have hand-selected and picked my favorite questions and we're going to deep dive into those. And if you ever have questions that you want to ask anonymously in the future, just make sure that you check my Instagram page because there's always going to be more of these available because I find that they're incredibly beneficial and so many people get so much out of it. So that's really cool. (laughs) We love it. And yeah, let's deep dive into it all. These are going to be business questions. Some of them are mindset questions. Um, and some of them are questions about me as well. Uh, we're just like really going in, going ham on the Q&A. So, but I do feel like there's a bit of a theme. Like some people are really sort of struggling with the same stuff. So let's deep dive into it. Now, the first question that I have here is, do you find it hard to continue to scale as a coach with a large number of coaches in the industry? To be honest, no, like not really. Um, I can't, I, the way that I look at it and the way I see it is that like, when you get into the coaching space and the coaching industry, it can feel like there's so many fucking people who are also in the industry or there's so many business coaches, there's so many confidence coaches. But then if you actually look at reality and you actually speak to people who have nothing to do with this industry, like oftentimes, you know, you're one of the only people that they know that does it or, you know, there's a really ha- a really small amount of people that are doing it. And I also think that in the in, in the industry and in the space, there's a lot of people that are saying that they're doing it, um, but just because they are saying that they're doing it doesn't mean that they're necessarily doing it well um, and doesn't mean that they're fully fucking sending it, right? So in terms of like being concerned or feeling like, oh, you know, it's hard to scale or just anything like that. Like to be completely honest, I just think it's all a story. And I think that the more people that are in the industry that are doing the damn thing, that are sharing their mission, sharing their vision, sharing their impact, the better because this industry helped me a hell of a lot. Um, And one of the big reasons why I really lent into it was because there was nothing like this out there available for people, for young women, especially when I first started. And I know it can help so many more people. And to be completely honest, there's always going to be someone out there that is going to be interested in someone's work. Um, And the thing that differentiates each of us is who we are, who we are as people. So no, I don't find it hard to continue to scale. And I do find that when I have these kinds of conversations with my audience as well, um, I just, I, I really remind my clients, especially to stay in their lane. And if you think that like the whole industry is oversaturated, it's like any industry, there's a lot of people, but there's also a lot of people making a lot of money and why can't that be you? Um, so no, I don't really find it hard to scale, I suppose. Um, But I understand when people kind of look at it and they get a bit overwhelmed and they feel like, oh my gosh, there's so many people. What am I going to do? How am I going to differentiate myself? What makes me different? Um, And I just do think that in the past it was kind of because it wasn't that many of us, like, and I did find this a couple of years ago, probably three, four years ago, because there wasn't that many coaches. You didn't necessarily need to be that good at selling and marketing because like, yes, in some ways you did, but like there wasn't as much competition. Whereas nowadays, you know, you have to be good at business. You can't just be a good coach. Being a good coach is not enough to make it in this industry anymore like it used to be. So I do think that that's the difference with that one. So 
hopefully that has answered your question well. Next one I have is, do you ever want to quit and just do a nine to five? Uh, I don't think I'm cut out for a nine to five. <laughs> I don't think I, I honestly don't think I'm cut out for a nine to five. Like I am so independent. I have been working for myself for six years. Can you imagine me going back and working for somebody? And I'm never going to say never, right? Like I, I'm never going to say never. Um, I will tell you, and I will be really honest last year when I did miscarry, when I did have that, like it was a very traumatizing miscarriage. I remember feeling so downtrodden and so shit that I was like, oh my gosh, am I doing this to myself? My fertility problems is this because I work for myself, which is all just bullshit, right? But I had to like do some work around that um, and some work around how I kind of viewed myself uh, so that I wasn't hindering, right? I wasn't hindering myself in, in the space and in, in, in what I was doing. So I did feel really downtrodden. Would I say that I wanted to quit and go to a nine to five? Absolutely fucking not. Um, but I can understand why people feel that way, right? Like it's, it's natural, especially if you feel like you're not getting the results that you want. It's natural to feel that way. But I tend to find that if I ever have a thought like that, or if, you know, and usually this happens when big, hard life shit happens, AKA somebody says something really fucked up and hor horrible. You lose your friends in your industry. I dealt with that last year. Um, you know, you find that, oh, it might be like, just like launches don't land the same way. You're like, you know, something like that's happening, right? Typically I tend to find, and I've made an entire post on this on Instagram, Typically, I tend to find that when these sorts of thoughts and stories and this catastrophizing and this like massive overthinking, this tends to happen when we're in our ego around business and we are really playing from an ego space. So I have obviously had like, I find that every single month when I get my period, I get very... <laughs> <laughs> I, I can tend to want to hide and want to run away. Like I noticed that as a pattern and I have a lot of clients who have experienced that same pattern. Um, and so if I do get into that headspace, not necessarily like, oh, let's quit and have a nine to five. But if I get back, if I get into that headspace, I always have to really check myself, really honor what it is that I'm needing, really take care of myself um, and really notice that my ego is playing out right now. And I just need to probably calm the fuck down, but you know, it's kind of like any job that you have, right? Like any kind of, uh, how do I describe it? Like anything, any area that you're working in that feels messy or sticky or hard, like, of course, if it's when it's messy, sticky, hard, and I used to have those experiences way back when I would have more experiences of going, oh yeah, like maybe I should just quit and go to a nine to five. I had those experiences a lot more early on than what I ever do now. The The last time that I actually had that experience, so it was when I did have that miscarriage, but obviously it was a very traumatizing, it was a traumatic experience. So of course, during those times and do, during those experiences, that's when our mind's going to play up the most. So I hope that that helps answer that question. The next one is, have you ever dropped a client before the container finished? Yes, I have done that many times. <laughs> if it is not aligning, if the client is not showing up for it, if, um, how do I describe it? If the client's not showing up to the container well, if, uh, and well as in like, just like leaning in, if they are blaming or if they are emotionally dumping, if they're overstepping my boundaries, if it is just feeling like a mismatch and a misalignment, I have stopped containers, canceled containers um, to protect my peace and to protect my boundaries. I am a firm believer in if it is taking away, and uh, you know, obviously you've got to do some work around this, but if it is taking away um, your peace, 
then it is worth looking at, right? And that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to get rid of that client or, you know, have the client quit and like have them leave and blah, blah, blah. But it is just noticing and recognizing that if it's taking away from your peace and you've done everything that you can at this point, it's okay to have hard conversations with clients. I don't have these conversations often. It's very rare that I've had them, especially when I did mindset work, right? Like if I noticed that a client um, might've needed a bit more of a medical approach, AKA going and seeking psychology um, or psychiatric help, then of course I would, out of integrity, I would close down that container very quickly on. Um, So yes, I have dropped a client before the container finished. Um, and you know, when it comes to like payments and all those bits and pieces, it can get a little bit messy and a bit sticky sometimes, but it's only in like extremely rare cases. I've actually dropped a client and said, yeah, I don't think this is for you. I also have pretty strict ways of like getting in and working with me. So for example, right now I'm taking on -on one-on-one clients. I'm taking one on for March and I'm taking three in for June. So you can DM me if you're interested, by the way. Um, but like I am so mindful of who I take into those containers. And in the past I've had application forms. I find that those forms can be quite hard to keep up with. So at the moment, like it's DMs, right? I need to hear from that person. I need to hear their voice. I need to hear their mission. I need to hear their story to make sure that it's a good fit. So I typically have some layers before somebody comes in and works with me on a very intimate level. Um, In terms of like group containers, though, it's a very different setting. It's a bit of a different experience and the touch points, AKA the access to me is not, it's not as prevalent as well. So just to give you an indication of that, that that's how I kind of roll with these things. Um, So yeah, I hope that answers your question. (laughs) The next one do you think it's ethical for someone's first job ever to be a business coach? Uh, not really. No, probably not. I mean, like, I don't know. It's, it's hard. I find it tough to answer these questions, but in my opinion, if you've never had a business, or you haven't grown your current business, AKA you've become a coach, you've grown your business to a really substantial point. Um, and you've, if you've never actually done that and haven't had a lot of experience surrounding business, you might be like a, high level mindset coach, like AKA helping people who are in business. But in terms of like that being your first job ever, I think that that might be a little bit out of integrity, but again, like every person's different. So that's my take and that's my opinion. But just because I say it's true, I say that it's a certain way doesn't mean that that's the way for everybody. But I do think like you can kind of tell and get a sense of who is in integrity versus who's not in integrity just by the conversations that they have, the conversations that they hold. Um, and yeah, like you, you, pretty quickly people who are not actually in integrity get found out. So that's my take on that. Um, but I also like, I wouldn't even worry about it. If you feel like people are doing stuff that you think is out of integrity, like welcome to life, <laughs> right? Like I, I say this and I have this conversation with my clients all the time. And again, this is not like putting shade toward anybody because it's just life, right? But in every single profession, in every single industry across across the world, right? Like every single industry, different kind of industry, there's cowboys everywhere, right? So there's like people who kind of like bend the rules, do things that perhaps they probably shouldn't be doing. Like, you know, there's cowboys everywhere. So like, let's just not even pay fucking attention to it. Like it's actually taking away oftentimes 
it's taking away from your essence and your power in this space and in this industry. So my suggestion is to kind of just go, you know what, not my monkey, not my fucking circus. So steer clear of that kind of stuff and stay in your fucking lane, stay in your lane, right? Um, and for those of you who get pissed off about it, and if you're like, you know, you're, you are a coach and you have built a profitable, successful business, um, or if not, like you, you have your own business and you want to move into the coaching space, right. And you've actually got a lot of experience surrounding that then, and you, and you're getting pissed off that you're seeing other people in your opinion, not having enough experience. Again, how can we justify that? Like, how can we actually tangibly measure it? It's hard to measure that. Um, but if, if you are seeing this and you're wanting to move into that space, like give that as an opportunity and as a, as a bigger reason why you should be teaching it because you see shitty things and shitty practice in the industry. But let's also not use that as our only marketing strategy to like tear other women down in the industry. Cause I also think that that is so fucking gross and that is just, yeah, it's just, I, I don't, it's going to alienate your audience. So really important to recognize that too. Have you ever struggled with imposter syndrome? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> like, especially the people who are most likely, and I, and I have an entire masterclass that you can actually purchase surrounding like integrating the imposter. Um, but the types of people who are most likely to experience imposter syndrome are those who were made to have felt stupid as children. Um, and I was belittled a lot as a child. So I was made to feel quite stupid, which meant that I always felt like I didn't know what I, didn't know what I was doing, always looking into authority, all those bits and pieces. Um, those who are also actively trying to win work, seeking to win work, aka contractors, um, people who are self-employed, like they're just more likely. And women in general experience imposter syndrome a lot of the time, right? Like I've worked with women who are mothers who are experiencing imposter syndrome, feeling like they're an absolute failure, they're a fraud, they're going to get found out that they don't know what they're doing. So I just think that like it's important to recognize and remember that women on average are going to experience imposter syndrome likely more than men or those who identify as women are likely going to experience it more than men um, on average. That's just what the research shows. And with that, it just means that we need to be really mindful of it. And I think that, you know, this also leads into, you know, women's perfectionist tendencies and just like our desire and our want and our, yeah, our massive desire to be perfect. So have I ever experienced it? Absolutely. I have definitely experienced imposter syndrome. Um, and I've done every everything that I've done to kind of overcome that. I teach an imposter to impact uh, the masterclass. And you can have a look at that down below. Really powerful conversation. I also don't think I've actually worked with a person yet um, in the business side of things, but even in mindset that hasn't at some point experienced imposter syndrome. And at the early stages of your career, you're probably going to experience imposter syndrome because you are in many ways an imposter. Like you, you don't, it's new to you, right? So like, it's actually not that bad. Um, but like, if it's impeding on your ability to do your work, to show up, to lean into your business, that's when it becomes a major problem. But you know, the imposter is a part of the shadow that does come up for a lot of people has come up for me as well, that we just get to integrate and work with and work through so that we're actually showing up to the best of our ability. But Yes, I have definitely experienced imposter syndrome before. And I also like to lean into, um, I, I like to lean into this idea that like, you know, if you weren't ready for it, it wouldn't be happening, right? If it wasn't for you, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be happening, right? If you weren't capable, it wouldn't be happening. So I also like to kind of look at that kind of ideology 
as well. So yes, I've experienced it. I've experienced it many times. I'm like trying to figure out, I'm trying to think off the top of my head of like a specific time I've experienced it, but it's one of those things where it kind of like, it's, it's a shadow, right. Which comes up during different experiences of our work. So like, for example, if you have a lot of hate come through, then you might start to feel a little bit like an imposter and like, you're going to get found out or whatever it might be, especially actually, you know what? I can tell you one time when I was experiencing a lot of imposter syndrome was when I was trying to preserve this image of being perfect. So being the perfect coach, being the perfect partner, being the perfect blah, blah, blah. Like I was trying to portray this image of being perfect emotionally, perfect in my soul. And I, and I felt like such a fraud and such a failure when I was trying to be something and someone that no one can live up to that I would often experience these feelings of imposter syndrome. And I felt very isolated in that. So um, that's one of the times when I was just like trying to be perfect in every way. And it can show up in lots of different ways, lots of different people, but um, that's one of the big times that I experienced it. So, you know, I do my best to show the realities and actually talk about like the good, the bad, the ugly in business um, and in the industry in general, right? Because uh, I don't want to ever put myself on a pedestal ever again. Like I'm a real human and whatever I've created, I know that so many people can create as well. And then some, right? Like I'm actually, I don't feel like I'm special. I'm very hardworking. I'm willing to fucking do the work. And I am, I have a level of grit that the average person probably doesn't necessarily have, but you can activate it, right? Um, and I put myself into difficult situations often, like I'm always willing and ready to be the dumbest person in the room. So anyway, not dumbest, but you know what I'm saying? Um, the least knowledgeable person in the room. So yeah, that's my take on that. The next one is what do you expect to do around babies and coaching? I expect to continue to coach when I have a baby. Um, so yeah, like I've kind of structured my business in such a way that when that time comes and I'm also structuring things a lot more in this year, like got a lot of projects happening and a lot of things happening. Like there's a masterclass coming very soon. So join the wait list down below. So you're the first to hear about it, but there's a lot of stuff that I'm actually doing, um, behind the scenes to really set things up to create longevity in this industry, regardless of like external circumstances or internal circumstances. So I expect that I'll keep doing what I'm doing. Like I have created a business that creates freedom for me. So yeah, I don't need to be on 24 seven for it to be running in the background, which I fucking love. So yeah, I expect it to be simple as fuck. <laughs> I hope that answers your question. Um, and of course, like it's not going to be simple like with that, having the child, but I, yeah, like I have things set up for that. Um, what do I do if I want to give up on the reg? Uh, I've had this conversation again before, which, which is like, you know, having this experience of wanting to kind of burn it all down. I have a lot of clients like this, like, like they'll, they'll practice avoidance strategies the second that they're, they have their period or something's going on where it's like not all perfect, right. They will have these like major avoidance strategies that they start to kind of lean into. My thing would be like, I would honestly look at your mindset and clean up any mindset leaks. If you're feeling like you want to give up um, you know, your business, resuming your business by this comment. If it's anything else, obviously go and seek some help. There's a lot of people out there that can help you. There's a lot of, you know, psychological help. There's, um, psychiatric help, go and see a doctor, get some support around that. But if it's specifically around the business side of things, um, my big suggestion surrounding this would be to like go and clean up your mindset and your energetics because, um, 
you know, it's okay to have these moments of like, ah, I want to burn it all down, right? But staying in that place is a problem because staying in that place means you're not going to show up to your launches. You're not going to show up for your marketing. You're not going to show up for selling. Like you're going to hide, you're going to run away and you might even run away from your coach, like whatever that might look like, right? And it's really important that we are not leaning into those sorts of strategies too much, right? So if you want to give up on the reg, definitely work on that. Do something about it. The next question, I'm struggling to scale past 20K months, dot, 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 help. This might, this is like, I don't know the background, right? But I would actually do some money work. I would do some money mindset work. I would look at what are you really calling in? What would that give you? What kind of life would that give you? What what would change about your world and your existence? And then come up with a really logical yet strategic plan to allow for that to actually happen. That would be my suggestion is to look into your money mindset stuff. Again, when it's like you're at the 20K month mark, if you have a coach, I would suggest leaning in and saying, hey, I'm struggling to scale past this. Can we come up with a plan? I want to talk about it. Can you see any, can you reflect any blind spots that you're seeing around my content, around my work, blah, blah, blah. Um, I would have a conversation with your coach. And if you don't have one and you're struggling to scale past it, I would really strongly recommend actually hiring one because I can't tell you how beneficial and how important and how powerful it is to be able to actually have somebody there who is, who gets it, but it can also see things from a different lens. Cause when we are working within mentorship, when we actually have a coach, what is happening is, you know, oftentimes, and I say this, even for our mindset, right? Like we have a painting, the painting is my hand for those who are seeing this on video and you are basically smushing your face up against that painting. Like when you don't have a coach, you're basically smushing your face up. Now, don't get me wrong. A lot of mindset practices, energetic practices, shadow work practices, they will help you take a couple of steps back so that you can see it clearly. Now, when it's like, okay, I've been struggling to scale past this for a really, really long time. My suggestion is have somebody who's already stepping back there and can actually see it for what it is to support you to clean up areas and places that you're actually just too close to, right? You can't see it because you're too close to it. And oftentimes, like we can't see our own stuff. This is the reason why we lean into mentorship. This is the reason why we we get coaches as well. Um, so that's my suggestion there. Um, the next one is I have no clearly labeled slash defined niche. What do you recommend? Oftentimes when there's no clearly labeled and defined niche, I would presume you're probably at the early stages of your business. Um, my suggestion around this is to come up with a couple of different ideal clients and scenarios for different offers that you have, especially around like one-on-one containers, like the different kinds of people that this could suit. So it might be like, okay, person A, wants a relationship, person B, um, you know, wants to achieve career success, person C wants to love the way that they look and have a lot of respect for their body and feel confident in who they are, right? And actually just like really start to hone in on these different kinds of people and therefore speaking to them in your content, that would be my number one suggestion around that. Um, And also just recognizing that like, especially in the early days, like you are, you're the walking vision, So what I mean by this is like you are the person that people are looking to and that are are going, wow, look at them and their life. Like, especially if you don't have clients right now, like my suggestion is to actually share about your journey and to build trust through sharing your own journey and the experiences that you've had um, and the experiences that you continue to have. So my recommendation is to probably, (laughs) I mean, My recommendation is obviously if you don't have one to like, you know, a couple of different people really speak to them, get granular on them. My next piece is to actually 
probably define a niche. Like I would, I would suggest like early days defining one um, or, you know, just, just something so it can be specific, create specific offerings for specific people. Um, and then, you know, go broad when you need, you need to go broad, but some sort of a niche just helps people go, okay, if I follow this person, if I look at this person's work, or if I work with this person, I know roughly what I'm going to get out of that experience rather than being like, ah, I could get anything. Who the fuck knows? Like, it's kind of, it, I say this all the time to my clients, but like when we, uh, especially early days, when, when you've kind of nailed the niche things, like you don't have to do that long-term, but it can be like kind of broad sweeping, trying to hit everyone so much so that you're so broad sweeping, trying to hit everyone that you're actually hitting no one. Um, and so that's why I always suggest to kind of lean into some niches. The next question I have is suggestions on signing your first client. Your first client. I mean, like, again, I kind of spoke to this before, but like share about your journey, share about what you've done, get really clear, get really granular on the kind of person that you're calling in, paint a picture of what their life is like, of what they're currently experiencing, what they're currently navigating, what they're currently going through, really embody what it is that you teach, be the embodiment, because that can be felt right through the screen. Um, And, you know, give yourself some grace and some time to get good at your job. A lot of times, and I see this happen a lot with coaches, they don't give themselves any time to get good, right? So they'll immediately come into the industry. They've been in the industry for two minutes and they want to sell 10K packages. And I'm like, that's great. Like, I, I love it. And I love like dreaming big, right? I think it's powerful. And I'm always like, yeah, absolutely. Like, let's go with what you initially want to go with if that feels really fucking delicious. But at the same time, like, you're going to be a better coach and have a better business, a better long-term sustainable business if you're not doing that and you're giving yourself an opportunity to get really good at it because you're not good when you first start. Like no one fucking is. That is, yeah, that's my suggestion though. Like tips on like finding your first client is really like really embodying it, practicing what it is that you preach, get yourself around other people who are like you. Um, Even go to like live events if there's any events in your area or be willing to host them, be willing to like do free things, dip your toes in, get used to this space, get used to the industry uh, and get good at it, right? Like if you're actually good at what you do, that's going to speak volumes and help set you up for a really prosperous uh, business that has longevity. The next question is what's your toxic trait? I don't really deem traits as being toxic, yeah? What is my favorite book? One of my favorite books for the personal development space is, uh, what's it called? It's by Michael A. Singer, The Surrender Experiment. I love that book. It's a fantastic and really powerful book. So I've just looked through a couple of the other questions. And to be completely honest, I feel like we've like kind of nailed this um, and really nailed all of the conversations that have been happening and that we have been leaning into. So I am going to close out this container and close out this uh, conversation, this podcast episode today. But I just want to say I'm so deeply fucking grateful for each and every one of you who are here. Make sure that you keep your eyes peeled to my Instagram, to my stories, and also to your email, email, um, emails as well, if you're on my email list, because there are some really exciting offerings that are coming really fucking soon. And I am so pumped to be sharing them with you. Um, make sure that if you're interested in one-on-one coaching, that you send me a DM, right? Send me a DM. I have one space available for March, which is obviously within the next couple of weeks. And then I have three spaces for June. So you're wanting to expand your impact, your influence and your income in your business, then make sure that you definitely send me a message um, and we can have a little bit of a conversation about where you're at and what 
you're wanting to create and the process and the plan to get you there. So if you have any questions from me, make sure that you do reach out as always and I will see you next time. Bye.